Howdy, y'all. I'm Leslie. I'm Laurie. Welcome to Sumo Kaboom. We're back at this. We do talk about all things Sumo. And we're back in the same space yet once again, which is always good for us. Yes, I don't know if y'all knew that, but for the past two plus months, we have been operating with one of us out of town at one time or another working, which is good, but it makes it very difficult to have a good sounding studio-like podcast. This week, we wanted to talk a little bit about the retirement ceremonies that went on recently, Okinoumi's and Kaisei. Kaisei. But well, we were interested in other things. Well, <laughs> so it's or, a diving board off into our random places yeah, we're about random. to go. Yeah, sometimes you just have to accept the fact that whatever you pick as your topic for the week doesn't go very far. Right. Like the pool isn't as deep as you wanted right. it to be. There's not and you tons. Just, yeah, you just have to accept it and either move on and or find a rabbit hole. Find another rabbit hole. And that's yes. what this week is, is the rabbit, rabbit holes. holes we found that started for me with Okinoumi. <laughs> yes. And then went on to other things. Yeah. So it's about Kaisei and Okinoumi's rabbit holes. That's right. That sounds <laughs> weird, but it's True. all it's all good. First, are you ready for a news flash? Okay, get this. In January of this next year, 2024, there are no height or weight requirements for any of the new rikishi. And this is a big, big change. This There hasn't been a change in this rule since 1932. When they that's put, a little before my time, a little bit, yeah, just a little bit. But they put those rules in place back in 1932. I'm sure when they had plenty of people who were signing up, and mm-hmm. they were like, "This this little kid." <laughs> yeah, a lot of kids went into sumo because they, their parents were like, "Somebody else can feed this mouth," you know. It, they experienced all types of things, and some of these young, poor kids would end up in sumo stables. So imagine they were like, okay, we don't want just any old kid. They're going to get hurt. We only want the big ones who have potential. So I that's what I imagine happened back then. But through the years, we've had ridiculous things happening that people try to make themselves taller or heavier or stand on their toes or put silicone in injected in their head like Maya Naomi. Yeah. So... I think a lot of people think this is more an attempt to just bring anyone into the sport when Japan as a society has kind of dwindled in numbers and they don't have a ton of options homegrown. And I don't think they want to continue to reach out to foreign born wrestlers because they've been dominating. (laughs) So this may be their attempt to get kids into the sport in any way they can. And uh, so that's kind of fun. The other interesting thing that was announced, though, is that some of these big-time high school yokozunas who have been coming into the sport at at Makushita 15, which means they only have, like, a tournament sometimes before they're bumped up to high-paying salaried spots in Jurio, they have changed the rules on this. The guys that come in as high school yokozunas who have who are perhaps 19, 20, they have been practicing sumo their whole life. They just went the school route and did it in college and they come in high ranked in the outside amateur world. They plop into 
just below the paying ranks in sumo, professional sumo. So they have decided that those kids can't come in any higher than Maigashi, uh, than I keep saying Maigashira. They can't come in any higher than Makushita 15. They have to start at Makushita 60. And then everyone else has to come in at the bottom of the ranks, like three tiers down. It's also interesting to kind of think about this because some people, as I was reading about this, the controversy is, well, what's the reward for these people to join prosumo if they have to fight their way from the bottom and toil there? And then other people are like, well, they'll they'll hurt these young kids who are, you know, you've got a college Yokozuna or not a college Yokozuna. Yokozuna, but next to that, somebody who's not the top eight, but somebody who's clearly really amazing, coming in to crush these 15-year-old kids <laughs> that take years and years to prime for big-time sumo. So there's kind of a little bit of worry of like, well, what's that going to be like? But then the other side of the coin, again, if this is like a five-sided coin, um, what's wrong with making those kids who've gone up through college start at the bottom of the ranks in sumo like everybody else and fight hard to the top. I mean, all of our Yokozunas started at the very, very, very bottom of the sport. So so I think I missed something. So was there a change? Yeah. Okay, so what's... Can you highlight what it was? that? So you just said what it is now. So what was it before? I think they came in a Makushita. Like, there was different... It wasn't the top eight. It was like, I don't, I don't know. You'll have to look it up. I don't know. But I just know that it's different as far as like how many guys can come in at, at Makushita 60. They yeah. can no, no longer come in at Makushita 15. So even the new hot fancy guys straight out of college have to start at the bottom of Makushita. They may have narrowed that down from how many there were before that started start mid-ranks. But the... Co- the college yokozuna or the yeah. high school yokozuna? Whatever their requirements are. I didn't research that. I don't just, know. Sorry, I'm just trying to follow. I just no, I'm not I don't, sure how well, it changed. I don't That's know. All. It's changed. That's all I can say is that how many of them that can come into the sport, whatever the, how many of them that came in, the eight or nine, I kept seeing those numbers, eight or nine that usually come in at Makushita 15 have to start at Makushita 60. So, so they every, come in lower. Okay. Yeah. But then everybody else who may have gotten, I don't know in the past what the other requirements were for how they ranked and all of that, or if there were more of them and then they started lower down in Makushita 33, Makushita 60. Those guys all have to go down to the bottom of Joni Don or Jonokuchi. It's maybe a good thing to research, figure out what it was before, yeah, what it yeah. was. All I know is that these guys that are used to coming in to Makushita 15 have to start at Makushita 60 now. And then and then other guys have to start even lower. They have to start way at the bottom. Okay. Yeah. So that will be an interesting shakeup and it'll, it'll be interesting, but maybe they're trying to balance out that with people who are like, you know, vice president of my sumo club. <laughs> I did pretty good. I don't want to start in Jonokuchi or Jonidan. I don't want to start way down there. Those guys may not choose to take the sumo route. I guess I just thought that's the way it always was. That's what's confusing me. I just thought that's the way it was. If you wanted to start pro sumo and you weren't in the top eight or whatever in collegiate, then you had to start at the bottom. So I'm just, yeah, just confused. That's all. Yeah. So anyway. Such is my life. Tedera Fuji said part of his... uh, bone in his back is broken or missing some some 
papers say it's very painful. He was diagnosed with lumbar and plate disorder and diabetes, but they took a needle to his spine and did something did something to ease his lower back pain. But it is a toss-up whether we'll see him again. The YDC, you know, says things about him, but they're more just like, we understand what he's going through. We know he's missed a lot of tournaments, but we just want him to be healthy, and he truly is in great discomfort. So they all seem to be understanding of the sport. But he himself says, I'm devastated, but I'll do what I can. I'm thinking hard about what I can do now. It's not just about coming back. He knows that for all these tours he wants to be part of, it's such an important part for him to be out there and be visible, but it's just up in the air what's going to happen with him. Such a tough spot to be in. Yeah, there's just lots of pressure. Yeah, tons and tons of pressure to perform at a certain level. And if you've got a bone chip in your spine somewhere that's causing you a lot of pain, just the pressure of wanting to perform and not being able to, it's got to be really tough. Yeah, I know. I know. But there were lots of other people who got promotions this week. You know, we didn't have, a, we always call them Papa Goji and Tata Goji. Mm-hmm. They're the two top Gyojis. There's been no top dog Gyoji. And so the second in command has been given the official top, top dog Gyoji position. But he's only going to take over it, take over for it in January. <laughs> And then he has to retire mandatory. It's a mandatory retirement in September. So we're only going to have this top dog. It's the same guy we, we know all the time. Wait, so there's Shikimori Inosuke, mm-hmm. who is taking over the vacant top dog seat of Kimura Shonosuke mm-hmm. for nine months. Yeah. yeah. But here's the other controversy in yeah, that. I was going to say there's more there's controversy. All, there's scuttlebutt there's there. The third in line, he was mad. Because he has a better record than this guy. Yeah. And he did not get the bump up to yeah, Tata Goji. Yeah, he's been there longer. He been there longer. Is mad Does about a better it. job. And he he put in his resignation. Yep. And he said, I am I quit. out of here. I quit. And his Oyakata said, please, what can we do to change your mind? And he was like, nothing. I quit. I am gone. Gone. So that was... That was interesting. So we still have lots of vacancies at the top of the Gyoji pool. Um, But I do like to see a little bit of drama amongst these guys. Everybody got a promotion or those that did not (laughs) were like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I still on my wish list. Or a Tokoyama too, the hairdresser too. Was out of there too? No, he he got a promotion. And this is sweet because he credits Miyogiru's top top knot which is exceptional it, it has a beautiful fan it does and he is the one responsible for that beautiful fan he should feel pride in his work he owes a lot of that he, he said i owe a lot of it to my master my <laughs> no. um the guy with Miyogiru. the hair i was just gonna say in my list of things that i would like to happen on this podcast is i would eventually like for us to be able to interview a gyoji and ask them all the questions that we have about Gyoji training and much, much more. So I'm just putting that out there in the universe. We will find someone someday. Yeah. Lastly, that brings us to the retirement ceremonies. And I had an opportunity to talk a little bit about the handsome man, the very handsome man, well thought of as handsome 
by the general and public is what I also discovered. I was like, is he just handsome to me by American standards? But no, he's considered the handsome devil of sumo. And I do not disagree. Yeah. After I saw Okinaumi and, and the tux and the haircut, and yeah. I was like, he is chill, chiseled. Mm-hmm. He looks even better with that short haircut. Is that even possible? It, I didn't think it was, but I was like, he looks really, really good. I wanted to chat with you a little bit about who he was, who he is. Um, born Ayumu Fukuoka. He was born in 85. He's 38 now. He retired, I don't know, uh, six months, eight months ago. I don't even know now. What's sumo time? Um, but his name means basically of the sea. And it it refers back to where he's from, which is Okinashima, which is um, an island, uh, like a bunch of um, a archipelago, a bunch mm-hmm. of islands mm-hmm. that have really strong traditions and strong strong connection to the the ocean obviously and and he went to school and like fishery school to become a basically a navigator of a, of a of a boat a ship he's always been connected to the ocean and hence his shikona what i saw when i saw him doing the retirement ceremony is this incredible amount of salt being thrown yeah so what was that about just a few other things before i launch into that he is from the Hakaku stable, and uh, Okinoumi's highest rank was Sekiwake, and I did not realize that. I guess because he has been in uh, Maegashira rank since 2010, so 12 years, he never dipped down into Jirio. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about a true veteran, it's him. Agreed. He made his first debut in 2005. And he has a record of 674 wins and 675 losses. Mm. That is about as split down the middle as you can imagine, which is kind of when I think of watching him, he's middle of the road in kind of everything. He is known as being calm and cool Mm -hmm. and collected. Mm -hmm. And at this ceremony, there were about 300 people, and he flew in a bunch of people from his hometown. Um, And I think mainly to give him this send-off to have this experience because he wanted to have what was called the Oki Classical Sumo Experience. So I will go into what the Oki Classical Sumo Tournament experience is. Uh, he's from the Shimane Prefecture. Okay. And he was the first guy from this prefecture to get to the rank of Sekiwaki in 121 years. Now, where he's from has ancient ties to sumo. He was basically doing one of his last bouts to uh, with another guy from his stable who also has a very similar name. I think it's Okino Fuji. Okay. Who is also from... Okinoshima, which is his hometown. Okay. So he chose in this last, you know, salt throwing uh, bout to fight another guy from a stable who's like down in Makushita. He's a young guy. Um, or not young, actually. He may be just lower ranked. He's around the same age, I think, or similar-ish, to two kids from his hometown having this experience with the salt. It was so connected to him and what this experience is. So I found a video This tournament 
goes back to the Edo period. Edo period was like 1609 to like 1860-something, 67, 68, something like that. And this tournament made me, when I watched, I found one video of it I had to hunt and peck for, this video, made me feel like I was watching sumo from 200 years ago. In what way? It was um, so different than what we see uh, in pro sumo today. Obviously, it had some of the thing, same things, the doyo iri, but as far as the crowd, as far as the salt, as far as the ritual and the like fervor amongst the audience made me feel like this was a just a brawl, like a like a mad, brilliant event that everyone in town gets super psyched and excited about. So when I was in the rabbit hole, I was like, okay, what's the history of this event? So basically, um, and even before that, before record happened, before written re- record happened, there were still references to sumo coming from this area of Japan way back. Okay. So even further back from the Edo period, it, it, there's folklore, but it was never necessarily written down, which makes sense because a lot of people weren't literate, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was an oral tradition that it was ancient in this area. So I was watching this tournament and what it is, is it only happens whenever something big in town is wrapping up. So for instance, a new bridge is completed a new school is completed something big that needs kind of a spiritual event to to send it off and with good good intentions into the next phase of whatever it is they have a sumo tournament but the whole town gets involved and it's kind of small because it's an island so everyone in town is involved so about four to six weeks before the event all the older guys in town uh, the men above 20 that have been involved in this. And and by the way, it came back in 1972. There was a period from the 50s to the 70s where there were none. There were none of these classical sumo tournaments. But since 72, they have come back. And there's no regularity with it. It's just only when there's something, you know, big that's happening. And Okino Umi experienced this as a kid. So this is this was his entrance to sumo. Okay. Okay, so the guys in town, four to six weeks out of this, go find a big tree out in the woods. And they they take down the tree. They fell the tree, which is like me talking like in an old, old person language. But they take down the most perfect tree that's going to give them the pillars. They take down the tree. They polish it up and then chop it up. And those become the pillars of the tent. This is an outdoor event. It starts in the evening and goes all night long and the episode i watched the documentary i watched was the middle of like october so you could see the cold coming out of people's the breath coming Mm -hmm. out of their mouth Mm -hmm. and these like kids who are from the age of 15 to 20 who also from four to six weeks before the tournament tournament is determined that it's going to happen prepare themselves and they're sumo yeah and they're scouted amongst all the best kids in there's different uh, islands, I think, but they have seven or eight kids or whatever from each prefecture or, or each area. And they're all the best options. And then they're ranked. They're actually ranked, these kids who are 15 to 20, up to 
Ozeki. There's no Yokozuna, like as in old times. Only the Ozeki. Ozekis are at the top of the ranks. So it's already kind of mimicking an old style of mm-hmm. sumo. So it's far more steeped in ritual. The doyo iri can last up to four hours. And there is all kinds of jinku, like all kinds of uh, sumo folk singing. There's all kinds of dances. And and the interesting thing about, about it is leading up the four weeks before this, everyone in town is involved in the process of training up the boys. Even the women are involved and everyone eats together. The whole... Everyone is involved in this process, which could be up to like, look like a room full of 60 people, 60 older men. Mm -hmm. They are all eating every night. They're all discussing this every night. It's like their lives get taken over by this upcoming 24-hour tournament. And as it happens, the actual tournament comes in. They do their doyo iri. The the gyoji has a very long speech. It's far more animated. It's far more – it's far less reserved. It's just – a little bit brassier and wild and the crowds are wild and as each boy steps up to fight the other they always fight each other twice and they're sent up there with mounds of salt and the salt is that people are throwing at them yes like they were each side is east and west and they're raining salt on these boys who are coming in and they do throw a little bit of salt but the crowd is just bashing them with salt for good luck and um that's kind of what we saw in okino umi's oh. thing is all those guys who were and i watched those guys yeah. they were wild they, they had were great jackets they had great jackets and they threw the heck out of the salt it was so celebratory and okino umi smiled mm-hmm. because it was like this really sweet feeling that of his childhood that was coming back because he was one of those he boys. was one of those boys way back when and the tournament itself, each boy fights twice, may, and they win once. They have to if the guy wins first, he has to lose the second match. He fights the same guy two times in a row. So it's always even. It's always even, and it's always based on friendship, which makes sense because it's a small area. Everyone has to get along, and so a real competitive spirit. People might walk away angry. So after this, if the guy who really fights the first time wins, he has to convincingly lose the second time, meaning he has to make it look like he's fighting and almost winning, but he's actually agreeing to lose for the sake of the other person to be the victor as well. And then they come in together. I like that rule. Yeah, they come in together. One guy lifts up the other guy from his mawashi, just lifts him up in the air like six inches. Puts him down. The other guy lifts him up by six inches and puts him down. And then they either hug or handshake. And then they live, leave the circle. The doyo. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder why the lift. It's some like sort of... Like, I just of... want to prove to you I'm strong, no, you're no, strong. No, no, it's, no. It's, it's, it's sealing out the end of the match by saying we're equal and we're parting this as friends. No harm done. Wedgie for you. and Wedgie for me. Yeah, and it's just a simple lift up and plop down. Now... They do say, like, going all night with this tournament, I read somewhere where they're like, each guy can fight up to five times in a row. So it feels like a little bit more round robin. Mm -hmm. And each time these guys get up, they just get showered with the salt. And then, of course, the night goes on. It's cold. It's October. I'm sure every they look drunk. And the crowd is raucous. They're having a blast. They're throwing salt. And everyone is there all night long. And even the next day... 
they they uh, the victors come in together. They sit. They don't allow the 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 wrestlers to touch the dirt. They put hay down and they carry the victors into the circle, the east and the west side. What victors? How do you find a victor in that? I have no idea, but there must be some way with the guy who won first that okay. that's an official win. Um, they pick them up and then um, they put them on uh, the pillars that they cut in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. They put them on that, parade them. each. So they're sitting on the large pillar like a rocket, all of okay. the top guys. Okay. And they're paraded around town. Like on a rocket, like on a large wooden that pillar. That sounds a little dangerous. Carried around. By drunk villagers. Right. Well, it's the next morning, so let's hope that they're a little bit okay. more sober. And then they put them down in the center of the doyo, eat, and they share a meal eating opposite the other side. On the stump? On the doyo. But those pillars... On the tree? Uh, no, on the doyo that has hay so in they, it. So they... Plop them down in the hay. Yeah, on they're the not dryer. allowed to touch the ground for okay. some reason. Okay. So I don't know. Maybe that makes them feel like gods. They they don't touch the earth. But those pillars go f- like as bragging rights in front uh, in on the houses of the victors. It says what they won and who their support group is, and that goes for bragging rights over the awning of each one of their house their houses. It looks like a five hundred pound enormous pillar hmm. that sits atop their their house that they're from so i don't know i i watched this documentary and i was just fascinated at that's why we all saw that shower of salt and no one i didn't know what it was yeah me neither and then i found out this found this video and was able to just kind of tap into more of the indigenous side of Mm -hmm. sumo yeah this is how it grew up and then we see maybe the more reserved, you know, in the Edo period when they put all the rules in and this is how we're going to make it look legitimate. This is how it's going to be closer to God. And, you know, they still do it for the opening of a shrine in the same way that the more indigenous style is the same way. But you can see the rawness. You can see the the excitement and the fervor of the crowds and the support of the community in this one video so much more than you could ever see at the Koko Gikan. Hmm. So that's what I took away. And there's probably other basho or tournaments like that happening in other places in Japan, I would imagine. I, I don't know. I sense that this was truly a unique sort of event. This is also where the, um, you know, the bullfight, bullfighting sumo yeah, happens. Yeah. It's also a major thing in Shimane Prefecture in this area oh, of the world. So they're just really creative they're, and they love their different kinds of sumo. This area of the world, for them, at least in Japan. Or they're really isolated. They're I <laughs> no, I think that's true. They're really isolated because when I looked at all of the festivals that yeah. were happening, I mean the Japanese love festivals, but there was an obscene amount of crazy festivals going on in this one area. And I was like, well, that kind of makes sense. But back to Okinaumi, that's what we saw. That's his intention as he moves forward is to find more kids that are interested in sumo and come into it perhaps in the same way he did through the Oki um, classical sumo, sumo tournament. And he hopes to scout and bring in more kids from his hometown and continue the tradition nice. of sumo with his hometown people. 
If you want to know more about Okinoumi, you can listen to a past episode of ours. It's entitled Daisho and Okinoumi. It was episode 28. So it was a while ago. Wow. But we did a really long feature on him. And you can listen to that to learn more about him and his rise up to the top and his story. Now, if you want to listen more about the fellow I'm about to talk about... Kaisei, you can listen to episode 61 called The Big Boys of Sumo, in which we talked about Ichinojo and Kaisei. This is not going to be a long section. I'm just going to tell you that now. Um, Kaisei's retirement ceremony was held this weekend after a really long career, starting in 2006 and rising to the highest rank of sumo, where he has been almost solidly from 2011 to 2022, when injuries and a loss of strength really began to drop right. him down. And ultimately, he dropped out of Jurio, and, and that's when he decided to retire. So he was last seen in Makauchi in January of 2022. He is a sumo wrestler from Brazil. If you're, recent, if you're a recent sumo watcher, Maybe just this year, you probably didn't see him, but he's incredibly popular with those of us overseas. And he's just so sweet looking. It, yeah, and he's really popular for his politeness on the doyo and his dynamite grin. Yeah. He looks like he could be selling toothpaste for a living. He was just always very, very sweet. But what I found interesting about his retirement ceremony is that it was less attended than many of the videos that I see. And oh. I couldn't even find a video of it. I could only find pictures. Interesting. I, yeah. And I was kind of like, oh, initially I thought, that's kind of sad. There, There's like no one at all on this side of the Coco Geekon. But then when they when the pictures were shared and more people talked, it was still an incredibly symbolic and really emotional event for him. And I guess video is not always needed for those of us overseas and those of us oh, watching on Twitter. Oh, we, love we love it. But, you know, he still had 350 people come, including Hakuho Teranofuji. Um, he was Hakuho's dew sweeper or sword bearer for many, many years. Yes. And so it was really lovely that Hakuho came to his retirement ceremony. And from the people that were there, they I never saw anyone not interested or not smiling. They looked so happy. I didn't see any extra matches or any entertainers, that sort of thing that we see on all these big retirement ceremonies. It was a it was an understated affair. I wonder because he was born in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these wrestlers have hometown clubs that sponsor them and yeah. i wonder how much of that is affected by being a foreigner you know like i wonder if because he's from brazil and there's not a ton of brazilians that are there there's a, probably imagine some but yeah they're probably not supporting him financially in the way that you would need to to have a huge big blowout yeah, maybe quite the same way yeah, and, like, and he was very loved. Like Okinoumi, yeah. he made it all the way up to Sekewake rank. Yeah. So he did very well, and he was like a stalwart presence in Makauchi for many, many years. But 
whatever the reasons are, he or and maybe it's personality too. Maybe he was like, I I don't, I don't want care. my party to be that big. <laughs> right. It doesn't matter to right. me. Right. Because I'm just gonna go on and become a coach and I don't need a big party. I don't right. want to spend all this cash. I mean, yeah, whatever. There's some people the who want a big wedding and some people who don't care about a big wedding. They exactly. go to the justice of the peace. Exactly. And maybe he's a justice of the peace kind of guy. The highlight for me watching across the world was seeing his family photo. Yeah. For the first time, I got to see his lovely wife, who is as cute as a button, and they look very, very happy together. But what I found so interesting was his blonde-haired mom was mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. who looks like a woman that I would see at the grocery store here in Texas. Mm-hmm. She looks so just normal to me. Just absolutely normal mama and proud. Normal Texan mama. Yeah. yeah like yeah. she could fit in here. Absolutely. In, in Texas. And his brother and his sister. And looking at Kaisei's brother and sister and his mom, you could suddenly see, oh, this is what he would look like if he was in the sumo wrestler. Yeah. And he was like obviously bigger than his brother and his sister. He's the big guy in his family. Yeah, but he only had like an inch on his brother. His brother was also really tall, just this, just real skinny. Had the same shape of face, the yeah, same, same great smile. smile, same color hair. The sister had the same color dark hair as well. Um, but you know what? The mom could be also a brunette. It's just as you get older, every 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 woman turns blonde. In time. Well, some, some, <laughs> not all. Not all, but it it just highlighted for me how cross-cultural sumo is, mm-hmm. and it's really wonderful when you get to see a photograph like that that just, that puts it all on the page. Like, what a wonderful gift this is to a family. I mean, can you imagine growing up and being like, my son is a sumo wrestler in Japan, and he married a Japanese lady, and he's going to be over there, and I love my son, and yeah, I'm going to go over there for his retirement party. Like, yeah. some woman in Brazil just had that experience, which is so cool. Yeah, but, you know, Brazil, from what I understand, has, uh, they had a lot of um, a lot of Japanese migrate there at some point. So there's a large section of people who are sumo fans, and Kaisei brought that e- out even more in them. But mm-hmm. the Brazilians, from what I understand... I mean, I can't speak as a whole. I don't know Brazilian population, but there was more interest in sumo there than there would have been here. Yeah. And if we've, I know we have Except for Hawaii. Except for Hawaii. Sure. The same cross, you know, cross-pollination of interests. we've, We've emailed some listeners in Brazil and in South America. So I'd love to hear from you guys if you saw different coverage down there. Um, since he is your hometown boy. And if you saw more than just a few pictures on Twitter, please pull us in and let us know what you saw, because I'd love to know more. Um, To me, post-haircut, Kaisei just looked like your friendly Uncle Kenneth who would serve you his famous barbecue chicken (laughs) and then fix your car for you. He just seemed like the nicest uncle ever. He's just delightful. Ricardo Sucano is just delightful. Yes, and he, he had one of my favorite quotes ever. Um, when asked about his retirement, he said, you know, it's hard to prepare, and I'm relieved that it's over safely. People I've known for a long time put scissors in me, and I've got a lot of thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Which is sort of an unfortunate translation. I think he means people he's known for a long time cut his hair, and he has a lot of thoughts. So he has a lot to process. Well, did I read that Okino Umi's mother was a hairdresser? He said I don't know. something similar to he's like... Did he? A haircut, I think I read that somewhere in the Japanese side, that his mother was a hairstylist, 
or hair cutter, um, hairdresser. So maybe she was and the he, reason behind that fabulous cut. Possibly, but he was just saying, you know, it felt really good after not having a haircut for 20 years to yeah, have a haircut. I bet. Just to have somebody run their fingers through your or just hair. just the feeling of it not being there. Yeah. It's got to be bizarre. It really, yeah, it really must be. As I said earlier, Kaisei is going to go on to be a coach. And he said, I just want to be in a place where I'm not only strict, but I'm also a place for young people to be more. If you have any problems, I want you to talk to me about anything. Yeah. So, yeah, he really does seem like He should someone... be HR. He should be JSA's HR rep. He should be the guy that you go to when you see something funky <laughs> at the Haya and you're like, I would like to report something that I've seen. It should just connect you straight with Kaisei, to who's like, please just tell me what you're straight to Kaisei, yeah. Tell me, are you homesick? <laughs> Is anyone hurting you? Just right. tell me all about it because I will fix it and make it better. I know, with yeah. a big hug. With a big hug. With a big hug Because I'm... End. Uncle Kai say. So that's really all that I found. I, I will read share he those also, photos. He intends to continue to find the next greatest sumo talent in Brazil as well. Yeah, I hope to, to see him to go scout back and a forth. little bit more there and see if he can bring somebody back from Brazil because there's a lot of up and coming talent. Yeah. I think because of his popularity as yeah. of late. So while searching for info about Kaisei's retirement party on Twitter, I landed upon a very interesting video, which I just feel like you all need to know about if you didn't see it. It's a video by a guy at the Oshogawa Beya. Mr. Kinkaze is his name, and he was practicing making Yokozuna belts with toilet paper. Wow. And I just thought this was worthy of a mention, just as good sumo-adjacent info. If you want to learn how to make a, a really gorgeous Yokozuna belt, and it's, it ends up being like just big enough to sit in your hand. So let's say as a crafty project, you want to make a Yokozuna belt for your bird. Your doll. Or Barbie. your guinea pig. Right. Right. You can watch this video and, make it and learn paper. how to make a toilet paper Yokozuna belt. And, and they're gorgeous. They're absolutely gorgeous. It plays in fast. So like you would have to probably slow it down to like 50% to really get it. But he goes through all of the things you need and he uses his toes and braids it all up and you end up with a perfect Yokozuna belt out of toilet paper. So I'm also going to put that in our sumo notes, our show notes. I will put in the uh, video that I found of the Oki Classical sumo tournament as well so cool. it's it's a three-part series i didn't watch it's about an hour or 48 cool. hour long but it's not all about that it's the first chunk is about the oki sumo classical okay. tournament the other is about another tournament and then the bulls the sumo bull the wrestling one, yeah that we've also done an episode yeah we about. also did an episode on yeah that. yeah so today it's just kind of like retirement and random things that we found yeah this but week. that bring us joy because yeah. this is the stuff we're interested in when it comes to sumo the wrestlers but then also the why is there so much salt that looks awesome yeah and now and i kind of know he, yeah why is he grinning like that i yeah. just that was my favorite part of okinaumi's retirement festival was just seeing that big old grin on his face and i was like okay what does that mean something's going on there that i don't understand so i'm really glad that you found that info about that festival i didn't know a thing about it well now you do or at least 
my version of how I took it. There's no English subtitles, so you kind of just watching <laughs> and thinking well, you understand what it's about, but yeah, you can you can get it. We but try anyway, our best. We try our best. That's it for this week. We have some really interesting stuff in the works for next week. I don't want to say too much too soon, but it's not dark. I'm done with the dark, depressing crime stories for a while. I'm going to hang out in happy-go-lucky, really fun, (laughs) sumo primetime type stuff. At least until the end of the year. That's right. Well, until then, I'm Leslie. I'm Laurie. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.